What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we get into another spooky movies. It is time. The pumpkins have been lit. The candy is in the bowl. <laughs> the witches are in the air. <laughs> the witches are on the brooms. <laughs> and the ghosts are booing through the streets. And as such a result, we have decided that it is time to finally, finally touch on Halloween. Now, we would be remiss to only cover one of the Halloweens, considering Halloween ends, the ultimate final battle is coming out this month. Yeah, apparently Halloween is in fact ending this month. Yeah. This is the last Halloween this year, so go hard. Go hard or go home, home, home homies. <laughs> that was hard to say. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I want you to try and say that. I want you to try and say that. Wait, say it for me one more time. Go hard or go home, homies. <laughs> hey, go hard or go home, homies. Uh, Whatever. I was, I was you, prepped for it. I was you prepped got for the it. Practice. I was queued up. <laughs> Y'all know what I meant. Just go big because it's the last Halloween. <laughs> but since since it's the final, final showdown for Halloween, we thought it might be kind of fun for us to do a little, uh, what I will dub the Halloween-a-thon, yes. which is going to be us covering every single Halloween movie that is currently out and then ending the month with the final installment because at that point it will be out. So every single week we will be covering four Halloweens at a time um, since there are currently 12 of them available and that will lead us all the way up to the big bad Halloween itself where we will be covering the final film. Yeah, so if by chance you wanted to watch the final film, but you're like, dang, man, I still ain't seen the other Halloweens yet. Don't worry. The homies got you. We're here for you. And we're going to break all of these bad boys down. Yes, we've got you covered. We'll fill in the blanks for you guys. And also, too, I think this I've been really excited about this because although for the most part, I mean, you guys have heard, I think particularly from me, you've maybe heard some of my general thoughts about like a couple of movies within uh, the franchise. However, what's very exciting about this is that whilst I have seen all of the Halloweens, minus the most recent one, Halloween Kills, is mm -hmm. the only one that I have not checked out. I've seen all of the other Halloweens. However, my good sir, Roshane over here, before deciding to do this, had only seen the first one. The first two. The Okay, the first two. Mm-hmm. That's it. I only seen Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. And we'll talk about it when we get there, but I may have seen a scene from Halloween 3 and not known that it was Halloween, but we'll <laughs> get there when we get there. <laughs> so you guys can understand why I'm like very, very excited about these episodes because A, I'm just excited to 
force you to watch every single Halloween. <laughs> and also B, I'm excited because we're finally going to have like some in-depth discussions about more than just the first one, which I think is really the only one that we've like touched on with each other. Right. So yeah, I've been really, really excited for us to do this. And mm-hmm. I'm going to speak for you and say that you're excited as well. Because this was mainly your, wasn't to all your idea, but you were the one who, who re-brought this up as Halloween got closer. Oh, yeah. Because that same little uh, add-on I put in the beginning was for myself as well. Like that movie's coming out at the end or halfway through this month. And I needed to be ready. There was yeah. a lot of movies I needed to watch to catch up. So I decided, what better place to do it than here on the podcast, right? Obviously. Yeah, so um, lots of lore, lots of timelines, and um, lots of different characters that we will be slogging our way through, um, sometimes joyfully and sometimes not so much so. (laughs) Um, But like I said... We are covering one through four in this episode, Um, and we are going in the order that the movies came out, Uh, so the chronological order of the films is going to be the way that we're going to go. Mm -hmm. So, without further ado, I think it's time that we hop into the girl that started it all, the (laughs) blueprint, the goat, the original Halloween 1978, not to be confused with the Halloween Rob Zombie and also the Halloween 2018. <laughs> this, this, the Halloween Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the OG. Yeah. The one, the only Halloween. Uh, <laughs> homies, we are entering into spoiler territory. So you have been warned, but like we said, we're talking about four different Halloween movies today, starting with the original Halloween 1978. This movie was directed by John Carpenter, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, starring Donald Pleasance as Loomis, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie, and Nick Castle as the masked. Michael Myers. On Halloween night, 1963, tragedy struck the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, when six-year-old Michael Myers stabbed his sister Judith to death. Fifteen years later, Michael escapes from Smith's Grove Sanitarium and makes it back to Haddonfield just in time for Halloween. While there, Michael spots high school student Lori Strodes and begins stalking her through the town. Meanwhile, Michael's psychiatrist Sam Loomis has arrived in town to hunt him down with the help of the local authorities. But as night falls on the town, Michael begins killing Lori's friends one by one. After discovering the bodies, Lori is attacked by Michael narrowly escaping with her life. Lori stabs Michael, presumably killing him and sending the children she is watching to seek help. But when Michael rises from the dead and attacks again, Lori is saved by Loomis, who fires six shots into Michael's chest. The two share a moment of peace before checking on Michael, only to discover his body is nowhere to be found. Roll credits. Mikael 
my years. That is still <laughs> one of my favorite videos. Best videos. All time. All time. So good. Oh, so good. And I've never seen him wear that wig. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? And we'll talk about the wigs as we go on because <laughs> you wouldn't think it, but they get worse. But um, before we go into this movie, I do want to let you guys know, if you have not watched it yet, there's that show on Netflix. Um, is it Movies That Made Us? Yeah. I think it's. Mm -hmm. and, and they have an episode about Halloween that goes into the making of Halloween. It's like 40 or minutes to an hour. It's really interesting, though. It's really fun to watch. I think at this point in time, most people, particularly like fans of horror, probably know like every little bit of trivia there is to know about at least the first Halloween. Mm -hmm. However, it's kind of fun to watch it come from people who worked on it and kind of like follow their process into the making of. So if you have not checked that out, um, it's on Netflix and they also cover some other horror movies. So if you're looking for some like fun, I don't know, a fun October watch of some behind the scenes stuff, then check that out. Yeah, it's a really it's a really fun series. I enjoy that one. Mm -hmm. But all right. Jumping right into Halloween. Uh, I do want to know what's in your notebook, Erica. I do. But really quickly, let me ask you, where does Michael Myers uh, rank in your listing of the big of the big horror killers amongst the Krugers, the Jasons? Mm, where's Michael at for you? That's a good question. Um, uh, Michael is a tough one for me because I really do prefer a villain who talks and mm -hmm. has personality. Mm -hmm. I think that I've just, especially as I've gotten older, I find myself really leaning more towards the villains that have a little bit of, a little razzle dazzle for me. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think what I like about Michael is that I love this, this always being one step ahead aspect of Michael and always being in the shadows. I think that's my favorite thing about Michael Myers and also him being completely emotionless, I think is very effective. Mm -hmm. As far as if I'm going to put him against Jason, because I just think it's easy to compare the two. They're big hulking yeah. powerhouses that are unable to be killed. This, well, one of them is human, but <laughs> but, you know, unable to be killed, going after a very specific group of people. And they're very intrinsically connected to the area that they're in. So it's just really easy to compare the two. So I guess if I had to go between like Jason and Michael, mm -hmm. I prefer Michael okay. personally, but he's still not. He, I I don't have him up on like the highest of pedestals. Okay, he's probably a little bit off the ground, but not. He's got the bronze. You know mm -hmm. what I mean. He's no, on I, that pedestal. <laughs> I feel that for me, he's always been low, lowest on the totem pole. Like I'll, I'll be straight up, and part of that is too from like not watching all of them, so not being very exposed to this character and mm -hmm. his evolution over time. Uh, but growing up, I was always like Freddy Krueger and Jason. Those were like my main two that I was always watching. Um, a small shout out to Pennywise for just scaring the shit out of me as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the reason I never got around to watching the Halloweens is 
what you're talking about. The the lack of personality with Michael Myers, I think, really put me off when I was first entering the series. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't get behind that when I had the option to watch like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. And Mm -hmm. granted, Jason doesn't have much more of a personality than Michael, but I feel like some of the situations I found um, Jason in were a little bit wackier, a bit more interesting than the overall narrative of like the first couple of Halloween movies. And I think for that reason, I could just never really get behind Michael Myers. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, I always thought of him as like kind of the third the third wheel out of those three. Yeah, it's if you had to if if now let's say this Freddie, Jason and Michael are in a group mm-hmm. and you're passing out invitations to a party. You only have two. who's like who's getting left out. It's probably Michael. Yeah, you're not inviting Michael. You don't necessarily want to run into him at the party. And if you know he might be there, you'll probably ask your friend like, oh, who who all is going to be there? And if mm-hmm. he's going to be there, you probably won't go. <laughs> Just because you're like, eh, he's not bringing anything. He's bringing stuff to the table. And mm-hmm. I think the thing about Michael and just the Halloweens in general that I maybe don't necessarily feel as much in Friday and in Nightmare is that for me, the Halloweens rely very, very heavily in the story that's unfolding around Michael, mm-hmm. not so much about Michael himself. Yeah, it really feels like that. And I noticed that a lot more watching through him now. And I think yes. that was helpful in embracing this story and this character because the story plays a very big role in this one i think even more so than some of the other top-notch villains where it's just about watching them do their thing um the story of michael is actually pretty interesting and i'm excited to talk about it with you today so why don't we just go ahead jump right in uh taking it all the way back to 1978 erica what's in your notebook First of all, bring back the credit intro, you cowards. I just think, I just, I love, I mean, Halloween just has such a great one in in general. Just that opening sequence of just the pumpkin burning with the music. As soon as that music hits you, Mm -hmm. ooh, the way it takes my body over (laughs) is insane. But it's just a very simple opening that immediately makes me lock into that halloween feeling Mm -hmm. um but also too (laughs) okay now let's just we'll put it out there the first one i think specifically michael is is that bitch uh, in the sense of this is like this is the michael that i love the most Mm -hmm. in this first one I think if there had been no other Halloweens and we had only ever had one, Michael, this is weird, but like Michael would have gone up for me because I think in this first one, he's so effective. Yeah. So good. So mysterious. So creepy. I love everything about the Michael of 1978 Halloween. Okay. I honestly do as well. Though, when we get to it, I kind of like Halloween for Michael, too. I kind of like progressive Michaels in ways. We'll talk. We'll talk about why we'll talk about why. Okay, we'll talk. (laughs) We'll talk about it. I promise. No, no, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. It's just for y'all know. Y'all know four is my bitch. So I'm just excited to talk about that one. But we can go back. We can go back. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I agree with you. Like he he is running things in the first one for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. In part two for me, and this is a note that I had later on, but I got to say, man, 
Dr. Loomis is the best horror hype man I have ever witnessed <laughs> in all of my days. Yeah, Loomis is such a great character. I think one of the best things that they did for this series is have Loomis mm -hmm. because there is a version of the story that does not include a character that is very aware of Michael is, of what Michael is capable of. There's a version of this that I think could completely have Loomis be absent and have it be discovered gradually. Mm -hmm. But I think that is a weaker version of the story. Having Loomis and having a character who is so aware of the carnage and the absolute disaster that it is to have this this man running loose and having someone whose sole purpose is to hunt this person down i think just adds such a great element to the story it adds an an entire different viewpoint from the main point of view which is our teenagers who are just kind of living their halloween night life mm -hmm. it's like such stark contrasts of these two characters and their journeys throughout the night of Lori and Loomis. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like having those two viewpoints is what keeps this movie really flowing. Yeah. And it keeps it really, it ups the, the stakes for me to have someone who's very aware of the ticking clock and someone who has no idea that there's a ticking clock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think especially because we are having a character that doesn't speak, right, is very stoic, not having emotion is his thing. I It really felt necessary to have Loomis there to at least trickle in some of the overall danger mm -hmm. of Michael. Because, I mean, we see it over time. We do. Like, I think as time goes on, the kills do get gradually more brutal. We get to see a little bit more of michael's strength how quick he can be like how cunning he is like we do get to see that over time over other installments but i think when you're first introducing the character um it's just really helpful to have loomis every other line be like this man is pure evil yeah. he ain't got no soul like yeah, he's got the he's strength of human. a thousand men he's right. not human he's basically the devil incarnate are there any special instructions just try to understand what we're dealing with here. Don't underestimate it. Don't you think we could refer to it as him? If you say so. Seems to me you're just playing scared. Yes. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death of... of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil more do you need well it's gonna take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes I, I i watched him for 15 years sitting in a room staring at a wall not seeing the wall looking past the wall looking at this night inhumanly patient waiting for some secret silent alarm to trigger him off 
Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. When you got somebody hyping up a killer that much, that often, you can't help but think, okay, maybe this, maybe this Michael guy kind yeah. of the shit. Yeah. Like, Loomis is really, really giving Michael his his murder flowers mm -hmm. and then as so as a result you as the audience throughout the movie you really i mean i we're also watching michael's point of view for to a certain extent so we know we quickly kind of clock on to how powerful he is but i think having loomis really really back that thing up is it's like you you're zoned in so quickly and so right away you know oh this is bad news and yeah. then as soon as there's okay first <laughs> i will say this is the first time i've ever really noticed this i don't know why the shot of michael sliding off the car in the beginning is so funny when he's on top <laughs> of the car in the rain uh -huh. and he has to very quickly clamor into the into car, the car. <laughs> to drive away was having me laughing this time but i do think that's another element that maybe makes me enjoy this michael is despite what loomis is saying he is still quite human yeah. in this one and he feels this is the most that michael will feel like just a guy yeah. who is maybe working off of some high stakes adrenaline and is probably as yes, a very evil person but I think being able to see him as a child do this horrible thing, knowing that he kind of grew up in that mindset and was just kind of Stewing cultivating. For yeah. 15 years, right? Yeah. Like cultivating this evil and this hate and this killer instinct. And so when he leaves, you know that that is obviously a huge aspect of him. But he also does just feel like a guy. And because he just feels like a guy, another thing that I think is so great in this movie that doesn't always get carried over into future ones is there's a very like mundane realism to a lot of this movie in the sense of it really does feel like we're following just like a group of friends who are kind of hanging out and going about their day and trying to figure out what they're going to do for Halloween night. And all of it feels just very normal. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Michael going after them feels very spontaneous. It's more so that they just kind of caught his eye. They were the first people to interact with him. And so that's why he's after them. Mm -hmm. It's not until later on we don't establish this ulterior motive. So a lot of this just feels like wrong place, wrong time. And Michael just has that killer need. And he just happens to stumble upon these girls and thinks, okay, cool. I guess that's my Halloween. <laughs> Those are my plans. <laughs> my plans for the evening. No, I yeah. feel that. And I agree with you. I think the humanity of Michael is very important in this like origin story movie because it makes that transition so much stronger. At least it did for me. Because I like seeing some of that human clumsiness when he's escaping and like just watching mm -hmm. him in his <laughs> gown, like get into the car and be like, peace out, bitches. Uh, <laughs> granted, um, and fully respectfully, y'all let him go so easily. Like oh, he got man. away from that spot with with little to no 
um issue <laughs> easy peasy i mean they said goodbye michael write us send us <laughs> postcards from haddonfield like <laughs> get the urgency <laughs> where is it we'll see you later yeah what i like about that is later on when he starts slipping into the inhuman into the like kind of how is this guy able to withstand gunshots and like falling out of windows and like all this stuff i love that you don't get answers for that until later installments and they mm -hmm. just have you sit on it like they don't attempt to it to explain it they don't try and like sugarcoat it or like feed that to you it's like all right he's a regular dude okay he's kind of a dangerous regular dude okay maybe he's not so regular oh shit he can eat bullets wait a right. minute he fell out of a two-story building and just walked it off wait what is up with this guy like mm -hmm. this unexplained transition from like human to devil i think is really fun and i don't think i noticed it as much until this watch about like you really you're right you really do start with a normal human being and by the end of it you don't know what michael is anymore mm -hmm. and that's just over the course of like the first movie mm -hmm. yeah you're left with this question of what just happened and i think especially having this through line of the boogeyman and mm -hmm. then that being kind of given to michael mm -hmm. i think really works as well i'm not gonna lie for the longest time at the end i thought she said what's the boogeyman and he said as a matter of fact, I think that was. But I just realized I finally had the captions on and she says, <laughs> "What was it the boogeyman? And I was mm -hmm. like, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I felt so dumb. I was like, not me believing for th how many years that it was oh, what's the no. boogeyman. And I was like, why does Loomis answer her like that? I'm like, come on, bro. Like, are you like, even listening, my guy? Are, you, are those ears open or are you <laughs> fixated on the guy you just tried to kill? Because I just always thought that didn't make any sense. But mm -hmm. I almost thought it was kind of cool that it didn't make any sense. But I, I, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> but no, I like that. I also love that they have these kids that get added into the mix because mm -hmm. I think that that really leads into that feeling of this shape, which is what he is, the shape, but this characterization of the boogeyman that I think so many kids are afraid of. And then as you get older, you get over that and you kind of try and invent them, convince kids that things like that don't exist, which in a way they do. Mm -hmm. It's just not the boogeyman that the kids think it. it's not ever, it's not gonna be this fake, you know, big slendery shadow thing. It's going, but in this, we see that the boogeyman and evil can take many forms. And, and in this one, it just so happens to be Michael Myers, who at the beginning is just a child mm -hmm. and who for most people should be, you know, the, the picture of innocence. Um, but I do love like the babysitting aspect of this movie. I think Lori, like Lori's whole ending fight with Michael I think it's great. feels super just because it, it all feels like stuff that a teenage girl could do. It's not like she's in there doing backflips and she's breaking shit and, and rolling over and like evading him. And like mm -hmm. she's just, <laughs> she is struggling. Yeah. She is fighting with like knitting needles and shit, like <laughs> just doing doing the least. But I just feel like that makes a lot of sense for who Lori is as a character, because 
I think a lot of people forget in this first one, she is pretty meek. Mm-hmm. Like she is not the Lori that we get later on. She's she's pretty like reserved in her fighting back style in this one. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, since we're on the topic, how do you feel about uh, baby Jamie Lee Curtis? <laughs> she does what needs to be done. I, like mm-hmm. she she. She do in in all of the Halloweens across the board. Mm-hmm. They all do a lot of our main characters do this sort of open mouth frown with no tears. <laughs> kind of a kind of a reaction to Michael that <laughs> you know it is what it is. But I actually I think particularly for me, Jamie Lee Curtis shines in this movie for me the most when she's just kind of being Lori in this in her regular life mm-hmm. and like when she's babysitting and talking to her friends and when she's just kind of noticing things are wrong. She doesn't always hit for me when she's like screaming. It's yeah. not always my favorite <laughs> of of any final girl scream mm-hmm. or reaction. But um, I think in the I don't know, there's also something I think I've watched it so many times and over the years, I've found it very like charming in a way in the way that it fits into this movie. But there are a lot of times where I can just tell that the director was like, Okay, just keep keep panting. Keep rocking yeah. back and forth. <laughs> but I was going to say, a good 90% of this movie is Jamie Lee Curtis just moaning or grunting. Uh, or <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that aside, no, I, I, I also do enjoy her in this too. I, I think she serves the final girl purpose pretty well and yeah. strong and strong enough to lead into other movies as well too. Like, I think there was enough development with a character that you could tell that Lori was going to have enough meat to span more than one movie. I think that's the important thing because with the second one being just like a direct, like this is happening right after Mm -hmm. the first one, you really need the legacy characters to have enough behind them to transition into sequels. And I do think that by the end of the movie, Lori is, has presented enough um final girl energy she's got survival instinct um she's working on the scream queen aspect of it but yeah i think the full package of of Lori is really good and i think it's a great compliment to michael by the end of things mm-hmm. yeah agreed they work these two characters <clears throat> work well together and I think that's why later on they started leaning more into their relationship because I think that's what they were like, oh, this is what the Halloween magic is. Mm-hmm. Um, she, kind does, of she does need to stop turning her back to her, her assailant, though. <laughs> that was killing me and almost killing her, too. But the amount of times yeah. where she's like, oh, he's dead and then just looked away yeah. for an hour. I'm like, Lori. Lori, get up off of that floor. <laughs> Let's at least go downstairs. Yeah, Lori, Lori, um, she's a little trusting of of the the effort that she's put in. Um, I'm like thinking, uh, you didn't swing that hard. Not hard enough to knock out. So maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> let's maybe keep it moving. But you know what? Like I said, she does a good job of 
of fighting back to the best of her abilities and also protecting the two young children that she has been put in charge of to ensure that they are still alive when their parents return. Yeah. <laughs> she was successful at that. I hope she got a bonus. Fair. Um, a babysitting bonus. Um, now, I, there's one other thing I actually want to ask you about this one, and it's about the kills. Um, mm -hmm. Because for me, although the situations of the kills were okay, I did find a lot of them lackluster. And funny enough, I think it was because of sound. And for me, that's ironic because, you know, this is John Carpenter. And I think, mm -hmm. like, for a majority of this movie, all of the sound works very well. But when it come when it came to a lot of the kills in this one, it felt like there was a lot of lead up. And then when you finally got to the stab, it was just that like unheard, just a little like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And it just you couldn't really feel the impact of things. I do think later on in other installments, they find ways of navigating that where you can still feel the impact, even if there's not necessarily a sound attached to it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. A lot of the kills in this one although gruesome in their own way and for the time didn't really hit for me i gotta admit yeah no that's fair i mean halloween was not meant to be um like a gory or gruesome movie and that was something that they definitely i think pressured film the filmmakers to up in the future mm -hmm. installments because i yeah they're definitely much more subdued kills a lot of implied kills most of what is shown in its entirety is maybe like uh choking mm -hmm. is is usually shown quite a bit before michael myers being a killer who relies heavily on that who keeps that knife on them mm -hmm. we shall see um is we don't you know it's not a ton of that we don't get to see too too much of that for me i i don't mind that in this one mm -hmm. um i think partially because for me, the lead up to the kills is what I prefer in yeah. in in the Halloween movies more so than the kills most of the time. Which is which I, is very very fair too because the lead up and the atmosphere created before all the kills and deaths are is really really good. Yeah, it's great. And like I said, what I love about Michael, one of my pros of him, is that feeling of him constantly stalking and hiding and waiting for his moment. And I think that is played or introduced very very well in this first one and so i always just loved that aspect of like oh where's he gonna pop up from next and then of course you know we have that iconic um death of pj souls where mm -hmm. he comes back in in the ghost costume and is just kind of standing there while she's talking to him and then she gets choked out for 25 minutes and mm -hmm. um moans the whole way through <laughs> but you know it's lots like, of moaning a lot of moaning in halloween one lots of moaning and i think that's what it is is a lot of the sound design during the kills they um allowed most of the sound to be the victims reactions to the to the kills that are happening but then most of it is like gasps and moans mm -hmm. <laughs> not very much actual screaming, screaming. yeah yeah that kind of gets introduced, I think, further, further down, because I think you'll even in the fourth one, I mean, it's not a ton of screaming when people mm -mm. die. It's mm -mm. more of shock. Yeah. <laughs> I 
it seems like that most of his victims feel rather than like, a oh, scream. Shit, I'm dead. Ah, damn, man. <laughs> <laughs> not this, not now. <laughs> um, I will say at the ending of this one though, I love the like the breathing after Michael disappears. Yeah. I think the outro to the first one is the perfect way to set up a sequel if you want to. Yes. Because like, I think we've seen in this time period, we've seen a lot of different variations where it's just like a big gotcha ending. This one is just the main antagonist. You thought he was dead. He's not. We don't know where he is, but we get we get to live in his shoes for a second and we get to see that we don't know where he is, but he's somewhere. The breathing, mm -hmm. it's everywhere. The sound is everywhere. Whoever this Michael Myers guy is, he is everywhere. And the movie yes. leaves you with that feeling. And I think that was the absolute best way to end it. Yes. Agreed. The ending is so good. So great. I love Loomis's spiral into insanity <laughs> when he realizes that he, he lit this man's ass up Truly. and it didn't matter. I love that. I love that they, I think having both Loomis and Lori be there for that ending is so super strong because these characters are so important and become so important. And yeah, it's really, it's really effective. And I agree with you having the breathing just kind of be all over this town because yeah, you really get the sense that Michael is kind of anywhere and everywhere mm -hmm. and that now it feels like there's nothing that can stop him if if we continue on and also too you're right i think with the way that this ends it's so successfully done that yeah you don't care that he lived yeah like, it's you so don't. irrelevant you don't give you don't care at all you're just like yeah that tracks. <laughs> that makes sense. I, 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 I do think he would survive, survived six bullets. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a great ending that leads directly into Halloween 2, which literally picks up right at the end of the first one. Yes, it does. And so we're going to go ahead and move right along to the second installment in the series, Halloween 2. Uh, this one came out in 1981, directed by Rick Rosenthal, still written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, starring Donald Pleasance and Jamie Lee Curtis reprising both of their roles, along with Dick Warlock as Mike Myers. Dr. Loomis fires six shots into Michael's chest, sending him tumbling from a balcony, but failing to kill him. Injured but very much alive, Michael wanders through the town, stealing a knife and murdering a teenage girl along the way. Loomis and the sheriff continue their search for Michael, while Lori is sent to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital to treat her wounds. Against her wishes, Lori is sedated and left in the care of the hospital orderlies. But. When a news broadcast reveals her whereabouts, Michael makes his way to Haddonfield Memorial. Meanwhile, Loomis investigates a lead at the local elementary school, but his colleague Chambers arrives with a U.S. Marshal to escort him back to Smith's Grove. Along the way, it is revealed that Lori is Michael's sister 
and Loomis orders the marshal at gunpoint to return to Haddonfield. Back at the hospital, Michael has slaughtered most of the staff and is on the hunt for Lori. She is found by Loomis and company, but Michael is not far behind. The two manage to mortally wound Michael, and Loomis sacrifice himself to kill Michael in one last fiery inferno. Lori manages to escape with her life and is transferred to another hospital. She is safe for now. Roll credits. Yes, so this time Michael's back, and this time it's personal, apparently. <laughs> apparently, it's, it's a always been. This <laughs> is family business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? So, okay. Halloween 2. I'm got Halloween 2 out of the four that we are discussing today is the one that I've seen the least. Okay. How about yourself? Um, I don't think I've seen it more than once. Like I've seen okay. Halloween 1 a couple times. Halloween 2, I've definitely seen it once before, but that was it. Okay. Well, for Halloween 2, mm -hmm. Roshane, what is in your notebook? All right. Well, the first thing I got here is Loomis needs to stop talking to riddles for real, for real. Because uh, he's just not helping anyone. In the first movie, it's great because, you know, you're setting up Michael. You're getting all this pizzazz, all this flair around who this character is. But now that we know who he is, now that we've seen everything in the first one, and we have a bunch of people trying to catch Michael and deal with this problem... Loomis, I need you to be a little bit more specific yeah. about the things that you're saying, not just this man is evil. Yeah. Pure evil, I say. You're asking for help. Like, <laughs> ask for help. He's like, six times I shot the beast and death evades. Still, I run into the night. Call 911. It's like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Like, just tell this man that someone almost got murdered, call the police. And I love how that guy comes out and says something like, he's like, oh, I've been like trick-or-treated to death tonight. And Loomis goes, you don't know what death, death is. is. And then <laughs> and then he turns and runs away and it's like, din -in 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 -in. <laughs> like What's going on out here? Call the police. Tell the sheriff I shot him. Who? Tell him he's still on the loose. Is this some kind of joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. <laughs> the musical sting for it is almost comical just kinda, the way it, that he turns and so runs dramatic. into the night <laughs> it's so dramatic <laughs> and now while i in this one enjoyed the evolution in strength for michael myers i gotta admit halloween 2 kind of silly for me for me, there's a lot of silliness to two. Halloween two, there's a reason that I've watched it the least, is just very, very boring to me. Mm. It's not my favorite mm -hmm. because what I like about Halloween two is the direct following of Halloween. I do think that was a smart move. Yeah. And I but what I like the most about it is the street like what's going on out on the street. I when we go to the hospital, oh my god, 
I don't care. I, I just feel like everything that happens in the hospital is just so boring to me. What mm-hmm. I like is the stuff on the street. I like watching Loomis lose his mind. Mm-hmm. I like watching the police navigating this doing things horribly trying to figure out if they were successful they weren't successful let's talk about this cop who completely obliterates a thank person. you thank you I, and ha- we were not moving forward until we talked about that shit the nerve <laughs> the gall and the audacity that this cop has to has when he says he came out of nowhere this man is walking calmly through the streets <laughs> On has Halloween been, night. On Halloween night. Has been doing so, crossing the street normal like any pedestrian would. The way that this police car comes flying out of nowhere at exactly 168 miles per hour <laughs> obliterates this man so hard that he gets thrown back into an ambulance and promptly gets lit a flame. <laughs> and then the policeman comes out and is like, oh, he came out of nowhere. and then they get a call and just leave they just leave nothing no lockdown no No. calling somebody else they get the call hey man your daughter died pack up boys we out we gotta roll this man is still on fire what about the body just leave him just leave him (laughs) (laughs) it'll be more halloween decoration just leave him in the street this man my is... face when that scene happened, dude, the way my jaw was agape at the fact that they truly just left this burning body in the middle yeah. of the street with children frolicking on the sidewalks, mm-hmm. just passing by. Bruh. In the middle of a neighborhood, dog, a suburban neighborhood, like people are in their houses, just like, what's going on? And they just assume because their assumption is that this person is Michael Myers because he was wearing, which is another thing. Um, I don't know why he was wearing the exact, exact mask <laughs> and like because of what okay i get it that's a mask that they were selling at the halloween store okay yep. maybe he has the mask on why is he also wearing the exact jumpsuit that michael was wearing like what how ha- that's not a costume who are you supposed to be michael myers doesn't exist in this form right. yet until tonight so <laughs> who did you dress up as weird mask man like <laughs> what are you what did you go to your halloween party as that's and that's what I'm like, that's what I question throughout a lot of these too, is like when people are dressing up as Michael, they even like do it to prank uh, and later uh, later on, it's like, how do you know what he looks like? Like, Right. And it's like, I can let it go for later installments because I'm like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, they probably word probably spread about what he was wearing that night or whatever. Okay, and so okay. like, yeah, if 10 years had passed, Sure, maybe some dumb kids would be like, yeah, let's dress up like the actual serial killer that fucking terrorized her time. But But for Bennett, for for boy Bennett? Like Michael, to you, doesn't even exist as this person yet. What were you going as? And that's still still not to victim blame, though, because that policeman straight murdered him. That policeman (laughs) murdered him and honestly did not seem too bothered when he found out that it wasn't Michael. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The way that it was a passing thought (laughs) when when those two poor boys were like, hey, we haven't seen our friend since the party. They immediately knew what happened and were like, damn. 
Michael is still out there. Yeah, <laughs> Not, and they're like, damn, oh, no. we killed a poor innocent teenager tonight. Yes. We just killed a child. And they're just like, oh no, Michael's still on the loose, which yeah, is is a problem. But is anybody gonna call his parents and let them know that you shish kebobbed him and then set him on fire <laughs> a couple hours ago just because he happened to cross the street? So Things like that have me a bit confused in this movie. Mm -hmm. I also, there's just a lot of, it's stuff like that. That makes me feel like they, because now granted, there was never supposed to be a sequel to Halloween, at least not one that involved Michael Myers and that was like a continuation of the story that was never supposed to happen. So maybe they were like, we got to figure some way to continue this. It just feels like a lot of this is just, only put in there because they're thinking, okay, we got to get this run time up. We got to hit at least an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. We got to put something in here because that whole side plot with them trying to figure out if that's Michael and they're not sure if that's Michael, that feels super padded. Everything. Um, the ho- Her just the- going to the hospital, that took like 10 minutes of them just wheeling her in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then she's there and then it's like Jimmy has a crush on her and and keeps kind of coming in that whole thing with jimmy where he slips on the blood and then is unconscious only to come back later and act like he was gonna help and then pass out again is another thing that took way too much time and also the the worst one to me was laurie Craw- crawling and seeing that people were going to the hospital and being like help help <laughs> and then as soon as they close the door then screaming at the top of her lungs mm-hmm. Lori they the things that they do to Lori in this movie is it, 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 it's criminal because I feel like they really set her like we said they set her up in the last one to be on an uptrend to yeah. be kind of progressively getting better smarter harder faster stronger (laughs) um but the but then they have her sedated Mm -hmm. for the whole half an hour that she's actually on screen she's like high on drugs the whole time yeah and it's just it's so noticeable i think honestly i felt better about Lori in the first one after watching the second one again because i because i feel like in the first one um the time that you spend with Lori, you spend with a character that's developing. And then in the second one, you spend time with that character while they're just crawling around. And there's no real like development other than the circumstances and plot lines around her may be changing. But she's basically helpless this entire time, which I think was not the right step to go with yeah. that character. Um And yeah, I agree. Like, the issue with the hospital and what makes it not really hit is just like you can't you don't have enough time to give a shit about any of these people who work at the hospital like i don't care about any of their deaths like Mm -hmm. any of them and the people that i do care about who i would be who i would be shocked if they died or that would have some emotional connection to we don't spend a lot of time with them and so it leaves me just kind of waiting around for michael to murder all these hospital people so that we can move the actual plot along Mm because i'm like 
we got to get up out of this hospital. We, we we can't be here forever. Yeah, please don't let us be here forever. Once again, we're in the um, emptiest hospital. There's like tumbleweeds rolling through the hallway. <laughs> it's cobwebs in the corners. Apparently nobody gets hurt on Halloween. Nobody gets hurt. It's a slow night. And I'm sorry, that's fine. There can be slow nights at hospital. But if there's a slow night... It just means that there's less patience. Not that there's nobody working in the fucking hospital. Just because it's a slow night doesn't mean the whole crew goes home. (laughs) And so I'm like, why is there nobody in this hospital? Why is it so dark? Uh, What's going on? And why is there, there's no, there's the illusion that there are other patients. But I never felt like that. It Mm -mm. felt like Lori was the only patient in this entire hospital. (laughs) Yeah, it really felt like that. And also, why we give Michael a scalpel of all things to be killing people with? How are we going downgrade from the butcher knife to the scalpel? Come on, come on. Like, what I will give Halloween to is I do like some of the kills. I do think that they up the creativity, particularly mm-hmm. I think the drowning and scolding scene is, is it's, cool. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's a cool idea. There is there is one scalpel kill that made me okay with it, and it's when he stabs homegirl in the back and one and hand lifts her up, lifts her up <laughs> yeah. with a scalpel. Yeah, that's when the scalpel worked. That was the one time it worked for me, and it works real well. Yeah. I'll give you that; it did work. He was he was showing off for Lori a little bit. He was showing um, off in that one, but for the rest of them, I was like, "Give him his knife back." Give him the knife, and then I do also like the the brain bubble where he like puts the syringe uh, in her head and mm-hmm. then like inserts the air. I thought that was like a cool one, just because I do like when people use weapons that are specific to the environment and i was like that's cool but yeah at the same time it's kind of like at a certain point you do you are kind of waiting for michael to get back his his trusty true knife and i just like i feel like by having it all take place at the hospital it just feels unbelievable to me that they really it feels like they wrote themselves into a situation where they had to figure out ways that they couldn't just get help they had to figure out ways for them to have to stay at the hospital they had to figure out ways for them to separate i think what the first one does really well is it's kind of over multiple locations yeah mainly kind of takes place in these two houses but there's no way of knowing what's happening at any time because it's not all in one spot. It's mm-hmm. kind of like Michael's kind of bebopping around and doing his thing. And so as those events happen, our characters have to catch up because they're not all together. Yeah. And also, too, really, we only have the three friends. Yes, we have their boyfriends, but nobody gives nobody cares when their boyfriends die because we don't really they're just extra body count. We weren't meant to care about their boyfriends, but we've had enough time with this friend group because there's only three of them that we do care when when Lori's friends die. Mm-hmm. But then in this one, there's like eight people we meet at the hospital. And you're right. Some of them we meet to say hi and bye to. And then some some of them we get a little bit of extra time with. But never enough where you care to know their fates. Never enough where you're like, oh, man, I hope nothing happens to this person. And then it just feels like there are these such 
every time they have to go away to be killed, I just don't understand why. It just feels like so unnecessary for these people to be leaving, for them to be going off on their own. I hate how there's the one security guard and he knows something's wrong, but the, the walkie-talkie's shorting out. Mm-hmm. And then like they should go to leave and the, all the tires are slashed. It's like, just run. Just leave the <laughs> yeah, fucking hospital. Leave. How far can the hospital really be from town? Like, mm-hmm. just run. Go. Why are you going back into the hospital? I yeah. just don't. It's things like that that irk me. This whole ending, bro. I think this whole ending is mad dumb. Yeah. Like, I just think it's so ridiculous. And then the cops walking out and he gets grabbed at the last minute. But Michael's <laughs> bro, come on now. I do. They start to do some stuff in this ending bit that I just think they could. They were trying to figure out a way to end it. And at that point, just just leave the hospital. Let's just go somewhere go else. Somewhere Have Michael else, follow yeah. you. I'm just so sick of this hospital. That's why I think I prefer the first 20 minutes of this movie where it's them still out kind of trying to deal with the repercussions of what had happened in the first one in the first one and really kind of getting to see other people like that whole thing with the girl who finds out that there was a murder right down the street and then she yeah, gets and killed then she, that's great that's fantastic that's great. and that's it's the same thing as the hospital where you meet a character you don't know them and it is a high and by like she's about to die but at least it has some direct context to stuff that we already know so that you at least feel that little blip of like oh shit you were a part of this uh well you're dead you know like everyone else just feels like they just were at work you know and they just happen (laughs) to be literally literally clocked in for a killer shift and also too the (laughs) that one that gets me every time is the one nurse who I guess was like the head nurse who got bled out. <laughs> yeah. Who's just been like bleeding out the whole time. And Jimmy walks in on her and promptly slips, like tries to run out of the blood <laughs> and slips and falls. But the reaction, that's another thing in this one. I feel like a lot of people's reactions to what is happening doesn't ever feel urgent enough for me jimmy Mm. in particular because when he sees her he just goes jesus (laughs) and that's it that's it he says nothing else and then just tries to run out of the blood and falls and gets severe head trauma (laughs) and then is out of the movie i'm like why did we spend so much time on this guy and michael doesn't even kill him Mm -hmm. he kills himself (laughs) it's so (laughs) it's so silly and now the silliness though is part of the charm of this movie for me because granted it's not my favorite of the franchise but it has some moments that like i love Mm -hmm. it's so ridiculous to me that loomis pulls a gun on a police marshal but it's one of the funniest things to me as well i fucking love that scene yeah (laughs) fuck it bro i will shoot you right now turn this around i I love michael not giving a fuck and just walking through the glass door um, like the the little things that are obviously ridiculous, but for the you know upping the ante aspect of this movie, I do enjoy those, even if they don't mm-hmm. work in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah, those are those are fun to me. But I I agree ones. with you. I think 
by the end of it, I did feel tired of this hospital. I felt <laughs> tired of the situation. Although yeah. the last confrontation is cool in its own way, it is dope to see Michael now just take bullets and not even give a shit with no explanation. Again, it's just like, no, just accept the fact that this man is now bulletproof. I'm okay with that. I can do that. Him being shot through both eyes and still swinging, he's a yeah. G for that. But I don't know if I can believe that one per se. I mean, dead eye Lori. Yes, shoots him <laughs> through both eye sockets enough where he just can't see her. Yeah. He's still rocking and rolling. He just can't see where he's going. And then they both are uh, Loomis lights it up and they both explode, explode. as Lori as Lori escapes. Uh, Lori wearing a wig, by the way, because Jamie Lee Curtis had cut her hair at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> this is another thing uh, like Loomis. I feel like obviously they were setting it up because Loom so Loomis and Michael wouldn't come back. This was yeah. meant to kill them. This, um, yeah, surprise. I, I it doesn't for, for sure. <laughs> They were supposed to be dead yes. at the end of this one. Which I, you know, I think the two of them going out together, I'm like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, this this being the thing that kills Michael, I do like that aspect of it. I think what happens around it is in comparison to the first one, particularly, I just think it's it's just OK. It's mm. it's like they it just feels so convoluted for me. But it the ex actual explosion and then even Michael like walking out still on fire on and fire. you're like, oh, shit, this man's about to do it. And then he falls down. Finally, I do like that. Yeah, that, um, that, that part's great. It's just, yo, him being shot through both <laughs> eyes. That's going to bother me for the rest of this franchise watch. <laughs> Because I now know this man doesn't have eyes. He's walking around with no eyeballs right now. He has bullets for eyes. I they regenerated. Nah, nah. He he's like a snake. It just his body parts regenerate. <laughs> um, he sheds his old eyes and then new, <laughs> new eyes form. Pop out. Um, but like I said, this is when we get introduced to the idea that, which is a misstep for sure, that. Michael very specifically came back just for Lori because Lori is his sister. This is something that obviously if you just watched the first one would not even be an aspect of this movie to you mm -hmm. because it's never implied at all that Michael and Lori have a connection or that he is specifically targeting Lori and her friend's for any other reason besides he just happened to see them. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no indication that Lori is connected to him. The whole thing was that he was connected to the town because that's where he grew up. He's connected to the Myers house. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, him and Lori are related. And like, he really wants to kill her. What? What the fuck? And it's like, oh yeah, Lori's adopted. Yeah, you and didn't know like all this? We really set this up in the first one. And that's another thing. That whole conversation with the nurse and and Loomis, where she just won't hurry up and tell him that Lori is Michael's sister and they're having this back and forth for fucking ever. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Lori's already dead by the time you finish talking. <laughs> Why wouldn't you tell him this at the hospital, bro? Like, <laughs> this is so important. This is very important to Lori as a human being to know that she is related to 
someone who just tried to murder her. Yeah. Why wouldn't you at least tell her that? Like, why are you leaving? And you're like, oh, yeah, Loomis, by the way. <laughs> That Lori girl, she she is Michael's baby sister. Isn't that nuts? Like, can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such a weird plot point. But, I mean, you kind of just have to go with it, right? Because they introduce yeah. and you're like, okay, sure. sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't say that you set me up for that one, but I guess I can't say why not. Um, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't there. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I wasn't at the birth. I, <laughs> I didn't know the family personally. So I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, they're siblings for sure. And and yeah, and then like Lori starts to have these dreams about Michael. And then she's like catatonic for a little while and then just gets up and leaves. Yeah. That was weird as well. That was also weird. It's it's two is all over the place, man. It really yeah. is. It, it bounces uh, a couple places too many um, and yeah. then stays in certain places too long. Um, but for me, it was a good. Hmm, I actually kind of take that back. I don't know if it was an upgrade for Michael, but it was a nice like extended period with him because I do think like I got to see growth in his brutality and cunning. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish he had his knife. Like I hate that he yeah. that he wasn't equipped the entire time. Um, yeah. him smashing homeboy with the hammer was pretty nice. I'll, I'll give you all that one, but, mm-hmm. um, the rest could have, could have nixed the scalpel for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not letting it go, man. That shit, <laughs> that shit upset me, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I think now is a great time to, uh, so preface this really quickly with, when it comes to watching Halloween, now I'm 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 the new one, but I've learned that after Halloween two is when you start getting these different branches of Halloween. You've got the specific yes. like the carpenter timeline, but it definitely starts veering into other ones after two, right? Oh yeah, the timeline actually after one, the timeline is completely different in all of the different ones because even one is. So like Halloween 2018 and then kills and ends, mm-hmm. they only tie into one. To one. They completely okay. next two. But yes, for most of the other timelines, after two is when you start to veer off into all the different branches. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, with that being said, though, I think our third installment here, <laughs> I maybe I maybe speaking too soon, but I feel like this one may have veered the furthest away from the timeline three um is our lone wolf (laughs) on its own all alone just floating in space and time is halloween three season of the witch (laughs) (laughs) so halloween three season of the witch uh from 1982 was directed by tommy lee wallace Starring Tom Atkins as Daniel, Stacey Nelkin as Ellie, and Dan O'Herlihy as Cochran. After a strange run-in with mysterious men in suits, Harry Gimbridge is taken to a hospital and placed under the care of Dr. Daniel, an alcoholic with a strained relationship with his ex-wife and kids. Later that evening, Harry is murdered by another man in a suit who then promptly burns himself alive outside the hospital. Later on, 
Daniel is approached by Harry's daughter, Ellie, who has suspicions around the events of her father's death. Daniel agrees to help her, and the two head for the Silver Shamrock Factory in Santa Mira, California. While there, they discover the history of the town and the factory owner, Connell Cochran. But, after finding some clues on Ellie's father, the two are captured by Cochran and his men in suits, who are revealed to be androids created by Cochran. Daniel learns of Cochran's scheme to terrorize the world with his masks and attempts to stop him. Daniel manages to escape, saving Ellie and destroying Cochran and his machines. However, the Ellie that he saved turned out to be another android and nearly manages to kill Daniel. He survives and tries to warn the broadcasting networks of Cochran's plot, but the film ends as Cochran's special continues to play on a nearby screen. Roll credits. Um, okay. So, Season of the Witch, like we said, is the stepchild of the Halloween series mm -hmm. because it's tied to Halloween because of the name. But Season of the Witch is was an attempt at what they had originally wanted to do, which was to make the Halloweens more of like an anthology mm. and have movies that all just took place on Halloween, but they were all uh, different movies. Okay. So that was originally what the plan had been after the first Halloween. However, since they made Halloween 2, I think by that point you had really tied Michael Myers to, to the, the franchise. franchise yeah you had kind of instilled in your audience that with halloween comes michael myers mm -hmm. so by going instead of going one and then doing something like this by doing one two and then having this be the third one i think it really threw people off because you see halloween three you're expecting michael myers to pop up somewhere in this movie and it's a completely different story yeah. <laughs> has nothing to do with any of that no and and so I think I think that's a really big part of why this movie wasn't successful, um, particularly at, at, at the time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because like I now this is where we're going into uncharted territory for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I would have been so mad, so mad if I went to the theaters to see Halloween three. And this is what I saw. Yeah, because it's exactly what you said. Michael Myers is Halloween. You don't have Halloween mm -hmm. without Michael Myers. Especially after you after you do two movies in a row with that, this idea needed to be done on the second movie. You couldn't, you cannot yeah. do a continuation story and then do this idea and expect people to then just accept it. Now, the trailer may present itself as something else. You know, it may even be like, "Hey, this is veering off from what you're used to." But regardless, at that point, you are you already sealed and stamped this thing to be like a Michael Myers lori mm -hmm. story so going this route big old misstep big old oh misstep. yeah yeah but huge I, I just wanted to say that at the beginning so that when i talk about not liking this movie from here on out i want it to be established <laughs> that it's not just because it's not about michael myers i just didn't really like this movie i at just all. don't like the movie yeah <laughs> but no, like that's, that's i fair. understand the reasoning and even though it was a misstep uh there are there are bigger faults for me in this one. Yeah, because it's like you don't do you would never say, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street 17 
a new dream and then it's like a completely different <laughs> it's just about someone who has night like regular nightmares no <laughs> freddy no 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 elm street it's just someone that has weird dreams and they're just trying to navigate life with like <laughs> i don't know insomnia or something <laughs> just a but, sleep demon for <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i mean i do think if this movie had just been called season of the witch mm-hmm and if you took it as maybe just that, if you completely removed it from the Halloween universe and went into this, I think maybe it would be slightly more enjoyable. However, yeah. that being said, this movie is wonky. It's, it's there's a problem. We have a problem in this movie. Mm -hmm. And that's just that it's pacing wise. It's totally off character wise. It's it's not quite there everyone feels like they're from a different universe like yeah. not even just like halloween universe i mean they're from planet Clyptorian, <laughs> and they've come down to earth <laughs> to live as an earthling for the day that's what all of these characters feel like yeah, it felt like budget cronenberg to me like i i felt like i was watching worse videodrome yeah <laughs> you know what it is it reminds me of videodrome mixed with the stuff yes yes that's exactly <laughs> perfect 10 out of perfect that is exactly what this movie is and not in a good way <laughs> yeah 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 the worst parts of both because obviously videodrome is the as a like super creative compelling story and then the stuff while is not as successful as a story has the like schlocky cheesy feel that is enough to keep you in that sort of a movie because no, it's, you're gonna... ne it's never enough erica it's the, it's, it's never the enough <laughs> there's never enough but if you're gonna have a story like that you have to have i think some you have to lean like if your story is not going to be as compelling it's going to lean more towards the ridiculous you have to have entertainment you have to have cheese you have to mm -hmm. have that fun campy feeling and this movie to me never quite gets there it never is fun enough mm -mm. to to bear the weight of the story that they're going to tell well i think is a very actually i like the story i like yeah. the the actual bones of this movie i think are very strong because i think having these masks that you're selling to all these kids and you're convincing them to wear them and kind of getting this obsession started and then these masks do these horrible things is a really cool idea. It's very, Where, like, it's very like goosebumps, you know? Yeah, it's like a grown-up goosebumps because I, I actually think the the gore effects in this movie and the way that people die, I love. I actually mm -hmm. really, really appreciate that about this movie, particularly the scene where we finally find out what the mask does. I love that scene. I think it's great. But the con conspiracy aspect of this movie and like the robots, the reasoning, the who, the who, what, when, where and why of this movie is thumbs down for me, basically mm -hmm. across the board. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. There, there were very few parts that I enjoyed of Halloween 3. I'll be real. Um. One of them was talking about gore. I did enjoy them kind of popping homeboy's head off like a like a wine cork. That was that was fun. Yeah. Uh, it came out of nowhere, but I was like, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, and although I thought the um, 
the the mass demonstration it didn't make sense to me at all with like mm-hmm. all of the effects that were happening i was like i don't actually understand what the mass does but it is cool to see all these like snakes and and mm-hmm. crickets and all these things happen like okay cool um but yeah overall i just think i spent a good half of the movie wondering what am i watching this is not halloween and then the second half of the movie being like, all right, cool. It's not Halloween, but I still don't. I just don't really like it. I don't it. like it. Yeah. No, and that, yeah, that's totally fair. Cause... Also, this this fucking main character needs to keep it in his pants. Like, you have a wife and kids, sir. No, he has an ex-wife, and I think we know why. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you had an ex-wife and some kids. But yeah, yeah, we can tell why. We know why. But first of all, he he really did say, whose kids? Not mine. Because the way that he immediately like never talks or does anything with these kids after we see them for a minute is <laughs> he just leaves. And I mean, he, he mentions them a little bit later when he tries to get her to tell them to take off their masks. But... Yeah, this character, what a weird guy. He's he's a doctor who goes to work drunk. And I mean, I guess it was implied that he was like on call. But if you're on call, you're not supposed to drink because you could be called in. Yeah. And so and then, yeah, he flirts with anybody um, who breathes in his direction. And... Also, though, too, it's he's just a strange character in the sense of I kind of like how much of a hot mess he is, Mm -hmm. but he's never he never feels like he's really like honed in on what's going on. Like, I never have that moment with him where I think, oh, yeah, you've got it. You've you've got a handle on this. You're figuring things out. Like, okay, I'm I'm I wanna be on this journey with you. I never feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like I never mm-hmm. wanna be on the journey with him until probably like the very end. And then but by that point there was like what, ten minutes left in the movie by yeah. the time that I'm like, Yeah, you got it, dude. And then also too, Ellie Ellie could have been a super cool character. I like why she gets pulled into the story. What but then all of a sudden she wants to have sex with Dan and why? When did that get established? Out, like out, when out did the they start to like each other? When did they when did she decide I'm about to fuck this man's brains out? Because it's like <laughs> it's like she they're just normal and then he leaves and then he comes back and she is immediately seducing him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, like, this is absolutely digging too deep, but I don't know if they're trying to say, like, oh, she was already replaced by that point or something like that, because that's not the case based on the plot points that we see. Um, But, yeah, I feel like she was definitely a throwaway character. Um, I was I saw the her being replaced at the end coming a mile away and was even more upset that we just spent so much time killing her like three times in a (laughs) row. I was just like, can she just, can Robot Ellie be dead already? Right. Please. And I, unlike you, I just at no point was able to really root for Dan. Like, there, mm. he just, well, he was not my protagonist. I really couldn't follow him. And even his victory just felt lackluster. It's like his plan just kind of works 
he doesn't really have yeah. one. He just kind of does something and it works. And then Cochran just says, well, you got me this time, Gadget. Yeah. And then phases off into nothingness. I'm like, he what? like what, what he is like, going on? <laughs> dissolves into like a reptilian man for almost a second. <laughs> it's weird. I The way that they did that effect, he almost turns into paper but it looks like he has scales and then he just disintegrates into <laughs> into thin air it's so bizarre but i was personally i was very okay the thing about halloween is that for the majority of them halloween is kind of synonymous with that the the old age idea of have sex will die is mm -hmm. is kind of pretty pretty much threaded through the halloweens so you can kind of expect a sex scene or at least some nudity through all of them mm -hmm. and for the most part you know they're kind of hot and then yeah. you get to halloween three <laughs> and this sex scene is so slow because <laughs> And it upset me. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my God, I look forward to the sex scenes. But they're a nice little they're a nice little extra something. I'm like, yeah, give it to me. Give me a little bit of sexy time. And then we get to this one. And he like is kissing up up her, pulls her strap down and then like is kissing her boob. But the whole time he's doing it, she's like rubbing his head and she's just like, hmm, hmm. Mm -hmm. It felt like that was mm -hmm. all the actors agreed to do with this guy. <laughs> and like the way that she's doing it, it's almost like uh, uh, the way she seems she could not be less interested in what he is doing in this moment. It feels to me. And but then we cut back to it and she obviously was very into it because she's ready to rip and roll again. And then he asks her how old she is Bruh. after they've already had sex. Bruh. Big cringe. Sir, you maybe need to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that part that part weirded me out for sure, man. It's it was just weird. And it felt like it came out of nowhere. I didn't need it. Like I I understand why you threw like a relationship curveball in there, but I did not need it at all. No. I did not need them to be interested in, in each other. And that how old are you question was valid because I was kind of thinking that once the attraction started to happen, I was like, what is the age gap here? I'm not it's really wide. sure. It's wide. I mean, she's very obviously like over 21 mm -hmm. because she was in the bar earlier. But Fair. I guess he just didn't want her to be like too young. But it's like, bro, I, there's a pretty wide gap i think we can see that so yeah it's i don't like know if why you're, thinking you're asking it, we're all question. thinking it my guy so yeah yeah i'm like this is a mystery that's already been solved maybe let's focus <laughs> on the silver, silver shamrock one <laughs> oh my god but all right i will say just to blanket all of this again um i will say that the idea of making Halloween an anthology series that was mm -hmm. just going to be like a yearly thing where you got different stories. I think that that's a creative and cool idea. I yeah. do. I actually do. Um, it sucks that they waited one movie too late to implement that idea. And it it's unfortunate for me that I didn't enjoy it enough to like really warrant the idea any further. Um, but it was a brave move to try yeah. it. 
And, you know, kudos to them for trying something different being like, let's just see. You know, we had this idea. Let's actually see it through. I do respect that. I just yeah. didn't like the movie, you know? No, that's I, I completely agree. I think it was very brave of them to still try to do this. I mean, you know, maybe they didn't have too too much of a choice because they were like, well, we did kill, technically kill Michael Myers in the yeah. last one. Let's try something new. But I do think that it was not a bad idea. Um, and there are moments, like I said, there are moments of this that I like a lot. I love, I really like the ending personally, where he's trying to get the commercial taken off the mm-hmm. air. That, that is good. I think, that, is good. I think that, is good. that ending is awesome. I think it being left on a, on a question mark of if he was successful or not, which I don't, I mean, dude, I don't think he got it in time, but um, I like the ambiguous ending. I like the, like I said, I like the deaths. I love the idea of the silver shamrock masks and what is the plan. Mm-hmm. It just everything that falters for me is the, I don't mind this movie being a mystery. I don't mind it being like something that our characters are trying to solve. I just think that the way that they go about solving the mystery is not particularly interesting because it's like them going to this other location and then just kind of like exploring the factory and being involved with some weird people. It feels like a lot of time kind of gets wasted on that. And I think that they could have found ways to make it more action-packed throughout and to involve it being more than a phone call here and now we walk through the factory now Mm -hmm. we meet this person now we try and leave now we can't like it just feels like there's a lot of stop and start in this movie rather than it being like a constant ride up to a climax i don't think we ever quite get anywhere it feels pretty mellowed out the whole movie until the until the very end and i also think weirdly enough after re-watching it i think one of the things i wish was different was the robots like i wish they weren't robots Mm -hmm. i don't love that they are because it always just kind of feels like it feels like how are you supposed to beat that unless you do something really ridiculous, which he ends up doing? And then it it just feels like that was an, a chance to also have some pretty gruesome moments, but because they're robots and they like th- and they bleed orange juice, like I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. When they die, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because like the whole thing with the guy setting himself on fire. That's really that's a really cool scene until you find out that he's a robot and it's like yeah, oh, okay. it really kills that effect a little bit. Yeah. Um, but going back into some version of the canon, uh, <laughs> yeah. we have Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. This coming to us in nineteen eighty eight, uh, directed by Dwight Little. With a story from Danny Lipsis, Larry Ratner, and Benjamin Ruffner, starring uh, Donald Pleasance coming back as Loomis, along with Ellie Cornell as Rachel, Danielle Harris as Jamie, and George P. Wilbur as Michael. It's been 10 years since the events of the second Halloween. Both Michael and Loomis survived the explosion at Haddonfield Memorial, the former being left in a comatose state. 
While being transferred by ambulance, Michael learns that he has a niece and promptly awakens, slaughtering the ambulance staff and escaping. Loomis hears of the escape and tracks Michael to a gas station where Michael leaves, destroying the telephone lines and Loomis's car in the process. Back in Haddonfield, Jamie Lloyd, Lori's daughter, lives with her foster family and new sister Rachel. Rachel is watching over Jamie while their parents are away at a Halloween party. Rachel tries to cheer Jamie up by buying her ice cream in a Halloween costume, but Jamie is terrified when she has a run-in with Michael who has found his way back to Haddonfield. That night, Rachel takes Jamie trick-or-treating and finds her boyfriend Brady cheating on her. Distracted, she loses track of Jamie and is chased by Michael, but she evades him and regroups with her sister. Michael slaughters the entire police force and cuts the power to the town. Rachel and company seek shelter in the sheriff's home, but are attacked and forced to flee. After narrowly dodging Michael again, Rachel and Jamie are escorted by vigilantes out of town, but they are quickly dispatched by Michael. Rachel manages to ram Michael with a truck, and he is felled by an angry firing squad. Rachel and Jamie return home, and the terror seems to be over, until Rachel finds out that Michael's bloodlust runs in the family. Roll credits. Okay. So, as I alluded to earlier, and as I've mentioned many times before, I actually think I listed this movie on our Twitch bio as one of my favorite Halloween movies okay. or horror movies. Um, Halloween for the Return of Michael Myers is my favorite Halloween by far. Okay. Okay. So, needless so I'm to very say, excited to talk about this one. <laughs> 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 Needless to say, I'm very, very interested to see which way you're leaning on this one because I, I'm i not going to sit here and pretend like this movie does not have its cons because it definitely does. It, uh -huh. has, it has its things where I'm like, why did you do that? But I think for the most part, as far as enjoyment as a full film, Halloween 4 is definitely at the top for me. Okay. I, I'm a little, I'm a hesitant to say that for myself. But I can confidently say I liked it more than Halloween three. And <laughs> <laughs> but I could also say, honestly, I, I, I really enjoy four as well. I don't know if it's my favorite, but there were a lot of parts that I did like about this one. And mm -hmm. it was a fun watch to me. Um, mm -hmm. But since you are our resident Halloween four expert, talk to me, Erica. What is in your notebook? Okay, so Halloween 4, I've seen a shit ton of time. So I actually didn't really write any notes, but okay. I wrote one note. <laughs> okay, what is it? <laughs> I wrote in all caps, the blonde wig. That's all <laughs> I wrote. Because I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to forget about it because I always forget. So in this, in this one, because as the movies go on, it's like Michael's and there's been articles, talks about it, about like, which mask is the best mm -hmm. because Michael's mask changes throughout yeah. the movies because they don't have the same mask that they used in the original. They don't have it for all of them, all of the future installments. And 
I guess at some point they were going because Michael gets a new mask. He it's part of the story is that he has to obtain a new mask. Mm -hmm. I guess because he was going to get a new one at one point, they were going to have the hair be blonde and then they changed it to be brown like it had been previously. Mm -hmm. However, they did not reshoot one scene where he has the blonde wig. <laughs> and it makes no sense. Because it's so blonde. It's like <laughs> it's like Wait, what dive. scene what, what scene was it? Because I missed it. Oh my God. Okay. It's the school scene. Okay. So when when Jamie is um crawling down or when she after she falls down the stairs mm -hmm. and she's crawling away right before Rachel comes in with the fire extinguisher. Uh-huh. His hair is blonde. I'm gonna have to go back. I'm gonna have to go back. I'm gonna be honest. I missed it. I didn't see <laughs> what it. What did you watch it on? Uh what did I watch this one on? I think I watched this on Peacock. Oh my god, can you watch it right now? Can you pull it up on your computer? Okay, hold on. <laughs> I just want to see your reaction. Okay, I see her rolling. I see her rolling down. Okay. She's yeah. looking up the stairs. <laughs> Yeah. I see Michael. He's got a knife. He's walking down. She's crawling away. Please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. He grabs the foot. Extinguisher. That is blonde as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. It's like dark yellow Wait blonde. A minute. Freeze frame. Magnify. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> That's Michaela Myers. They went so it's so blonde. It's so blonde. It's like longer too. Why does it look like like almost like shoulder length like blonde it's hair? It's a blonde bob. <laughs> because I think then I think that they thought because like the fire extinguisher was going off and there was like a lot of commotion. Mm -hmm. I think that they thought that like people wouldn't notice, which is probably partly true because like you said, you didn't notice yeah, at I, first when I, I it happened. I had no idea, but. As many times as I've, and I also think I didn't notice like the first times I watched it, but because I've rewatched it so many times, eventually I did notice mm -hmm. that, <laughs> that <is>. Michael had <laughs> a dye job for literally <laughs> one scene and then was back to business as usual after that. <laughs> okay. That's, I mean, that's pretty wild. I will say though, it's. If you're not looking for it, I think yeah. it'll pass you by for sure. But if you know it's there, I'm never going to see that scene the same now. <laughs> That's one of those once you know, you know kind of stuff. It's like, oh, God. And I mean, to be in this one, his mask, too, is pretty. It's like really loose. Sleek and like. It feels like boxier than normal, but I, I think it's a little bit bigger on his face. It felt like the spirit Halloween version for me. Like of Michael, yeah. Like the the mask that I would get this year to be Michael, I feel like would look like this mask. Like I feel like it'd right. be the same mask. Because right. it's like also it's a little bit brighter too. Um, like it really pops. Uh it's uh it's a look. It is it's a, look. a decision. And you know what? It kind of it kind of works in the sense of the story that they're telling. Cause in this one, it is established that Michael is become such a figure that people dress up like Michael now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not crazy to think that they would maybe be like mass producing that mask now mm -hmm. rather than maybe just having like 
a couple of that mask to buy. Yeah. And I do but, like that it's in the story too. I like that they yes. incorporate the fact that like he does have to get a new mask. Like, yeah, good on them for that. Yeah, I'm not gonna, and that's actually pretty cool. Like seeing him in that in that beginning where he just has the the suit, the jumpsuit on, but he's still like wrapped in bandages is actually kind of a cool image. But before does, he gets the mask back, it does pose the question to me though: Did Michael slaughter an entire gas station just for a jumpsuit? Bro, yeah, that's what I'm like. <laughs> Michael's unhinged in this one in a way that is just wild because uh, so, uh, he was also in the second one like he kills an entire hospital full of people just to get to Lori, and it's like all right chill but at the same time that's you know he's still on his his halloween night uh his halloween night binge and then in this one michael's really kind of going out of his way to kill people who have nothing to do with the situation i mean he he and he's also really thinking ahead like he cuts all of the power he makes it so that nobody can make phone calls mm-hmm. and he slaughters an entire police station an entire police station at this state they're they're at they have home advantage they are <laughs> at their place of work they have the guns they have the the handcuffs they have everything they need and yet Michael comes in and obliterates an entire police station. Not him pulling a Nights Before Christmas. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The Michael Michael Myers to Santa Claus pipeline is (laughs) one I didn't expect to see today. But, yeah, it happens. (laughs) Now, there was another thing, like, towards the beginning, too. This is a semantics thing, but, like, over the... over the first like two, I was keeping count of the kills just because I was curious. Uh-huh. And at the beginning, uh, Homeboy says that he he, that he killed sixteen, maybe more people. Um, when I was watching, I counted fifteen, um, and I think that was even being generous and like adding Jim in there. Mm-hmm. So in my canon for this one, the police department completely just put Bennett's murder. In the list of people that Michael killed, they were like, you know oh, what? Obviously, oh, Bennett disappeared. Shit, that must have been Michael Myers. I, we couldn't even find his body, quite frankly. Yeah, dang, that's crazy. Like, sheesh. I want Michael really went. <laughs> Michael was really going wild that night, huh? Yeah, Michael Myers. He killed all these people yeah. and Bennett. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, and he killed Ben. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> when did he do that and they're like uh on his way to the hospital he, um, <laughs> he had killed him he, he had killed him and then set his body on fire and then left him out in the middle of the road <laughs> yeah it was a wild wild thing uh, terrible terrible uh, thoughts and prayers you know yeah uh, tragedy strikes 16 times it seems <laughs> uh also the kids in this movie are absolute savages holy shit um i know kids can be evil but god damn these kids are mean these kids are brutal um so part of the reason that i love this movie so much i'm sure you can guess them kids get them kids um (laughs) yeah and we have uh jamie lloyd as our protagonist in this one so she's coming in as like a little kid she's seven in this one Mm -hmm. and so she is bringing in a little bit of a different perspective to having to deal with this 
this threat, but as a result of who she is and her relation, because at this point in time, everybody knows that Lori is Michael's sister and therefore, and so this whole, con they didn't even need to do all this. Like, I do think that this whole backstory of who Jamie is, I do think is completely unnecessary. I really feel like they could have just introduced her as a totally different person with no connection to Michael and just had it be kind of like the first one again, where somehow Jamie gets involved. And as a result, all these other people get involved. But, but they wanted no, that genetics thing at the they end. Needed you know her they to be, wanted yeah, it. They needed her to be related. So Jamie is Lori's daughter, but Lori died sometime. Uh, 11 months prior to the events of this movie, Lori died. <laughs> um, I don't mean to laugh, but like, what the fuck? It's just <laughs> crazy to me that they like just kill her off and unceremoniously and just to go into this new storyline. But anyways, so as so Jamie is related to Michael. And so the kids at school absolutely go ham on her and like call her an orphan. They make fun of the fact that her mom is dead. <laughs> they may like make fun of the fact that she's related to the boogeyman. They basically destroy this girl's <laughs> like entire self-esteem. <laughs> yeah, within uh, a single walk down the hallway. <laughs> it's crazy. It's the wild it's west out there, elementary it really school, is. you know. It really is. Um, so yeah, these kids are absolutely destroying her, but Jamie is really going through going through a tough time in general. But then I've also, like we said, this town is just kind of crazy because it, it feels like since so much time has passed, a lot of the younger generation don't really take seriously the events that had happened prior in yeah. this town like they don't really take michael myers seriously anymore yeah. it's kind it of like a ghost not a ghost story but like a yeah. legend yeah it's this thing that happened a while back that was like awful but it's not affecting us here in the present yeah. day because homeboy's dead quote yeah. unquote yeah um but yeah i think the setup for what it is 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 fine and i actually really like following jamie and i think mm -hmm. it was a it was a nice change to like have it be like a kid that that Michael's going after because it just adds this different element to it, right? Um, granted, we're following a lot of Rachel too because she's kind of like the you know resident. Um, what's the word? Uh, guardian. <laughs> yeah, you could use guardian. Um, but since Rachel's basically her guardian, like she's going around and protecting her, and we do follow Rachel, and I think Rachel is a good enough character. Um, she's the same girl that was being babysit in the original right or, or is that no no so we actually get to see Lindsay. Lindsay is the one that comes and picks jamie right, up right, and right, they're right, going right. to get ice cream with her rachel just mentions she says oh your mom used to babysit me when i was a little kid okay. and so it's just implied that rachel and Lindsay are the same age got now. you got you got you um yeah. So, okay, I, I mean, even there, I still enjoy that little tie-in. I like the nuggets of the the original ones. I, I'm glad that they included those because those are always fun, especially when you're on a franchise's number four. At that point, I want Easter eggs. Like, if mm -hmm. I've sat through three other of your movies, I need to see some of this stuff coming back. Like, that's mm -hmm. that's a personal choice, but that's for me. 
Um, but there were a lot of things in this one that I think were improvements. Um, one big one for me is I've been talking about brutality throughout this entire episode. I do think that in four, that that was prime Michael Myers kills for me. Um, I think my favorite kill of this episode was in four. Um, and it was him impaling Kelly, I think it was, with a yeah. shotgun instead mm-hmm. of shooting her with the shotgun. That was the most Michael Myers move I have ever seen, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, he really didn't give. He didn't care about what that shotgun was supposed to do. He was using it <laughs> however he wanted to. Yeah, no, there are some really good kills in here, and there's a lot. There's a lot of kills in this movie. I think that this movie also goes back to... They once again successfully, I think, give us enough time with most of the characters that we really feel like we're at least attached to them in some capacity. I love the Rachel and Jamie storyline. I really like Rachel as a character. I think what especially because I I like what they do with the sense of Jamie, you can tell really feels less. She she feels very um insecure about the fact that Rachel's not really her sister, Mm -hmm. but I like that they still build. Obviously that's not, you know, Rachel is still adjusting, I think to now having a little sister and not having Mm -hmm. had one before, but I like the relationship that they have. I like that. It feels like they do both really love and care about each other. And it's really important to Rachel that she, takes care of Jamie and protects Jamie regardless of the circumstances, regardless of knowing that Michael is after Jamie. Mm-hmm. I like that Rachel is like there to really move things along. Cause you can't just have Jamie because it's like, she's still, there's only still so much she can do with her being a little girl. So I do think it is important that you still have like a teenager or an, an adult that is really along for the ride with her to kind of do the things that Jamie can't do. Yeah. And it adds in something that I do think is missing in the OG one, which is um, someone to bounce off of our main protagonist with, I think in the first one, Lori, she has friends um lori has friends i swear uh (laughs) no she's got her friend group and stuff but i feel like when you get into like the latter half of the original halloweens it feels like she's on her own whereas in this one it always felt like the the two of them had each other's backs all Mm -hmm. the way through to the end of the movie and that sort of sibling camaraderie or friendship or what have you is a very nice addition that i think was something that it would have been nice to have someone alongside Lori, I think, maybe in the earlier ones for a little bit longer other than the kids that she was trying to protect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think, too, this one does another good job of of bouncing around a lot. We're never in one location for too long. I'd say the longest we're in a location is maybe the sheriff's house. Mm-hmm. But I like what happens there. I feel like that's a good, they do some good stuff there of kind of leading into what is going to be our final act. Yeah. And I love the ro- like the roof sequence is one of my favorite mm-hmm. like moments in this movie just because I think it's really they do a good job of taking a chase sequence and finding some way to make it new, having it all happen on top of a roof and trying to figure out how we're going to get down from this roof. Because it's like, what other... I I do think they did a good job of saying, okay, obviously, Michael's going to chase them up. This is the only option. And then how do we go forward from there? Um, I like the... 
it just make, it makes a lot of sense to me that they would have these like vigilantes from the town who feel the need <laughs> to take it upon themselves to take care of Michael because it's it, considering that they've kind of established I feel like they established that this is a pretty small town in a lot mm-hmm. of ways it has that small town feel and so yeah I don't think it's crazy to think that a bunch of adults would say we're gonna take the law into our own hands because we don't want to lose any more of our kids and would go out you know, assuming that they are just as adequate at finding Michael Myers and then completely failing. But I also love when at the end where they're like, you know what? Maybe we will wait for the state. Yes. Maybe we will let them take care yes. of things. That made you... me love that group, yes. honestly, because that was yeah. such a human response. I was like, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> it's very yeah. refreshing when characters do that. They're like, let me not walk back into the danger. Let me actually just take this dub and go. Yeah, we gon' we go get we gon' get go ahead and get out of here. Um, also, Loomis is back with a single burn on his cheek and then like a burn on his hand, despite the fact that that entire room was engulfed in flames and continued to burn even mm-hmm. after <laughs> even after Lori left the hospital. Um, Loomis is fine. <laughs> Almost very as indestructible as Michael <laughs> yes. Myers, apparently. Yes. Maybe someone should be looking into that. Because yeah, yeah he actually maybe even more indestructible because he came out far less scathed than Michael. Yeah. Did. Like very minimal burns. I mean, obviously where he did get the burns, they were severe, but like I said, it's like one on his cheek and one on his hand. He, and, he did play that injury very well, though. Like the leg yeah. limp and stuff. And also going back, shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis for doing that, too. I think people, once they get injuries, they sustain them bad boys for the entire movie. And mm-hmm. I appreciate them for that. Yes. Yeah. They do a good job of still feeling like whatever has happened to them is continuing to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will give that to, to going back, yes, to the second one. I will give that to Jamie Lee Curtis as well. When she is drugged, she feels drugged. Like, mm-hmm. I really do feel like she is suffering from that kind of clouding her her vision and how quickly she can move. That doesn't mean yeah. I like it, but she does a good job playing it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so in the fourth one, we have Brady, who yes, ain't shit. Truly Who not. Is truly not shit. You know, it's crazy because Brady is <laughs> Brady is kind of introduces this kind of throw off character. Like you meet him and it's like, oh, she can't go out with him anymore. And it almost kind of feels like he's not going to be important to the story at all. And then the next time we see him, he's cheating on Rachel. Just out in the open why are you answering the trick-or-treaters in the middle of your sex capade <laughs> with your co-worker <laughs> like why are you you knew rachel was going trick-or-treating with jamie i'm not trying to give a blueprint to a cheater i'm not trying to tell them how to cheat successfully but you knew rachel was going trick-or-treating with jamie why are you answering the door for the trick-or-treaters and his excuse, oh, well, you know, you canceled our date, so I was upset, and yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's like, what? And then, like, her and I love them. I love Rachel and Kelly's little, mm-hmm. like, confrontation later when she goes, have some coffee. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Throws it on her. I'm like, Rachel kind of reads Kelly for filth. I'm yeah. not, and I'm not mad at it, because I'm like, Kelly... Kelly knew what she was doing. It, um, it would have made absolutely no sense, but just for petty sake, 
I would have loved if when she saw, like, she saw the dead deputy and was like, oh, no. And then she saw Kelly and was like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, like, some little bit of shade there. It would have made no sense, but it would have right. fucking made my night. Yeah, it would have been wild if she did that. But, yeah. And that's, and then Brady, once again, is just, is goes, oh, let's just leave Jamie. Mm-hmm. Let's, we got to get out of here. It's like, dude, what? what is the matter with you and then then all of a sudden he's big boy britches and he wants to fight michael i'm like dude you're gonna die (laughs) you're gonna die i what what note i have i was like bro you know you can reload while moving right i'm not i'm no gun expert but i'm just pretty sure you didn't have to stand there there for an hour for him to walk up to you to load that gun um but i mean he he tried to scrap and he got scrapped real easy he did try to scrap. He got a he got a punch in. That's true. That's true. But I do this movie does a good job. I, they've already been doing it, but I feel like for you really do see the strength of Michael Myers mm-hmm. in this one and how like Jason esque his power really is. Because like at this point, again, he has bullets for eyes. I just want to remind you guys. He is as far as my canon goes. <laughs> He has bullet eyes, but this man is still able to like one hand lift people and crack necks um, Mm -hmm. with ease. And it's just like he has now very much surpassed the point of like humanity. Like he is now this entity. He is the boogeyman. Like he doesn't operate by human standards anymore. And I really like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, definitely. He has 100% leveled up. And it's also interesting because... As far as we know, he's been waiting 10 years to make some kind of a move. Mm -hmm. And so it almost feels like he's once again has had time to kind of stew on things and really think about things and make a plan because it does feel like he comes there with a plan Mm -hmm. and is actually pretty successful at executing the majority of it. I mean, this guy is underneath cars riding for how long would he have I, been underneath that car? Yeah, An I hour? Was, like, was he just <laughs> under the truck the whole time? <laughs> He's sneaking into cars and and really like he's real i i do like the way that he kind of pops up a lot in this one, especially i think my favorite moment is when they're i think it's Rachel's talking to the deputy and Michael's face kind of like pops out of the shadows and then goes back. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. dude, when did you get into the house? It's just stuff like that where he is. My man is the man he's with the plan everywhere. in this one. And he is doing it up and doing what needs to be done. And he, um, once again, yeah, has taken a lot of, taking a lot of shots, taking a lot of hits and kind of dusting it off of his back. <laughs> like none of it really matters. But yeah, I love this. I just love the story in this one. I think this one, the pacing in this one has gotten back to good form. It moves very quickly for me. Mm-hmm. I like all of the subplots. I like the mixture of Jamie's story with the teenagers, with Loomis, who... And even with Loomis, I also really like... Um, sheriff meeker because now we're meeting a brand new sheriff where which is i mean we usually have a new cop from this moment moving forward we always have kind of a new cop but i like sheriff meeker and i like that he's pretty immediately on board with what is happening it's yeah there's no hesitation of like is it is what like uh, of course at first he's questioning but then right away he's pretty on board and i kind of like him and loomis's dynamic Mm -hmm. i like that they 
have a little bit more understanding than I think yeah. Loomis has had with the police in the past because it seems like they've had more pushback in the past. Yeah, and we've already seen him have to do the back and forths with police. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to just be like, all right, we're on the same, we're on the same page. Let's go. Yeah. So I love all that. Really, the biggest um thing that I think is mad dumb is just the ending. I that think twist. it's really silly. Yeah. And now I you've you've seen the next one. I'm sure it's uh going off of that plot point in some way. Uh but yeah, I thought the same thing. Even like yeah. the setup to it, I was like, I could see the direction they were going, and I just really sat there and I was like, why? Why? Like, why? Why are we going Huge to just bring, just bring them back? Yeah. I don't need this. Huge mistake. Huge, big. It's 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 and yeah, not not giving too much away about the fifth one. It does, obviously, because Jamie returns for the fifth one. It's a continuation of this story. So, yes, they're setting things up. But, like, once you see the fifth one, you're really going to be like, what? Because it's not as much <laughs> as you think it's going to be. Oh, and no. so okay. having this be the ending. But I need to say that because as a person who knows where this goes, especially after knowing where it goes, Having the ending of this be having this be the ending of the fourth one, I think was like a really silly misstep because I think maybe if I had only seen up to this one, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But because I know where this development goes, I, they could have smooth not had any of this happen. Mm -hmm. And I think they would have been in a much better position. And also this would have been like a perfect movie for me if this is not how it ended. Just feels really shoehorned to try and say all of a sudden, oh, Jamie and Michael are connected. Bitch, why? Like, <laughs> why is that? Jamie has known nothing about Michael. Not really. I mean, she mm -hmm. knows the stories, but she doesn't know. She was never there in the past. She doesn't know Michael she it's i don't think it's weird that she has nightmares about him because she knows of what he's done but for her to be like exactly like him all of a sudden why like yeah. why would that happen and, and and it's one thing to say like oh she's traumatized so she kills her mom what do you mean like yeah I, I, it, I it felt so just out of nowhere i, I was not on board yeah it felt like they just wanted Loomis to like lose his shit at the end. <laughs> so they were like, we have to have her do something. But I and also everybody is not reacting um, with the quickness that I need them to, considering they hear the mom scream bloody murder mm -hmm. and then see her walk out. And I'm sorry, mom, Um, just push her like <laughs> just fucking slap her. Just knock her over. I, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Cause it's not this is not a Michael situation where it's like, oh yeah, he has the power of a thousand sons. It's Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Just punt her out of the room and call for help. <laughs> Big facts. You know if you know if they did a scary movie parody of it, that's exactly how that scene yeah. would go down. <laughs> it would just push her out of the room. Mom would be like, Can someone get up here and can get this girl out of the house for a minute like yeah so that's my uh, only that's my biggest con is okay. the ending and also to her connection to Lori because it's like it's really irrelevant to me in the grand scheme of things I think mm -hmm. that bit of the story is like not that big of a deal so okay. 
Well, now, see, I'm kind of glad that we broke it up in this way now because now I have a little bit of anticipation yeah, going into five to like see <laughs> to see where this all goes. And um, but to end kind of end off the four, I, I did really like this one a lot. And I can see why this of the ones that we've watched so far um, would be your favorite. And I can't say that it's not mine either, but I still need to see more before I can finally right. officially say which one I like the most. Um, right. But yeah, to kind of like uh, end this off here, I think we all have an idea of what your favorite was, but w- which one was your favorite of this week and which was your least favorite? So yeah, okay. So four is going to be my favorite, obviously. Uh, it's a classic for me. If I'm going to go back to a Halloween, it's going to be Halloween four. And it is takes everything that I love about the Halloween and then adds in extra elements I love, such as kids in in danger and, and all that, sisters, sister stories, sibling stories, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I love that. Least is actually going to be Halloween too. Ah, okay. Because although Season of the Witch is not, in my opinion, like a great movie, Season of the Witch to me is a more fun watch. I would mm-hmm. prefer to watch that than watch Halloween 2 just because it's just really boring to me. Mm-hmm. It's like the it's like everything that they did successfully in the first one, they do unsuccessfully in the second one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do you want to watch the same story but worse? No, I don't. So gotcha. 2 is going to be my least. Okay. Honestly, I'm going to do the same list. Surprisingly, oh. for how much shit I talked about three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you. Like, I although I did not like three, I can genuinely see myself watching three again before I would watch two because I agree. It's mm-hmm. it's just kind of dull. Um, and there are some moments that I like, but overall, um, that one definitely of all of these dragged the most. Mm-hmm. And so for that for that fact alone, yeah, it's gotta it's gotta be the bottom of my list too. <laughs> well there you go so far we've agreed we're agreeing on basically how we feel about all of the halloween movies um i have feelings that that will change as they go on oh and i'm the so stories excited <laughs> get a little bit more more wild but yeah so far those were halloween one through four and so, homies, I would be interested to know out of the four we just covered, which is your favorite and which is your least favorite. You can talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer, you can talk to us in Discord, where honestly, we're probably going to create like a whole Halloween tab just mm-hmm. so we can discuss the movies as a whole. So if that's something you'd like to get in on, then come through to the Discord to see what we're thinking and to see what the rest of the homies are thinking. The link for that is in our social media bio. And you can always email us. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, that means that it's Monday, which means we are streaming on Twitch tonight. We are probably playing some spooky games, having some drinks, and having some laughs. So if that sounds like something you'd be into and you want to come through and say hello, we would love to see you. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. It recommends our show to more listeners, and we like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. So if you have an account and haven't done that yet we would love for you to or if you're listening over on spotify you can leave a rating super easy just go to our page hit the stars under our name and it will rate the show for you 
But we hope that you have enjoyed part one of the Halloween a thon. And if you haven't yet and you want to watch along um, and kind of go along with us while we're doing this, then obviously five through eight will be next week. And so, yeah, we'll be talking more Mikael Myers to you guys next week, homies. <laughs> Catch you next time, homies. Bye.